Cheers, Ali. Uh, awesome to see you guys. Uh, welcome. Welcome to Jubilee, especially if it's your first time. It's, uh, it's different, and sometimes we just, we just really want to pursue God, really. Uh, we really have a passion for him here. And so when we do stuff like praying for each other, it's really with a desire to see what he will do, because we've seen him do incredible stuff in the past. And so we just love to give a bit of space for him to do what he can do and he alone can do. So if it feels a little bit new and you've got questions, then uh, you're more than welcome to come and ask anyone that you've seen speaking at the front. Um, I know Ali would happily answer all your questions for you. Um, or you can just speak to the person that brought you here. Um, I think it's really important to understand why do you do things in a certain way? And we'd be more than happy to, to talk about that. It, I was, it also occurred to me that it may be having my daughter and my son around my feet whilst we're doing some of the family news, uh, like uh, praying people in or sending people away. It may look like I'm making it hard work for myself. And maybe I'm making it hard work for myself. Um, we just, as a leadership team, we feel it's really important to, for our young church and our volunteers who are serving up there to be a part of some of the aspects of Sundays. And it means that it's harder work, but we feel like it's more fruitful if they see people joining and praying for each other, if they hear the testimonies themselves. Now, as a parent, you're sometimes hanging on for dear life, as I demonstrated <laughs> to you this morning, but the kids get to see and hear some things that God is doing. And so that's why we do it. Um, so if it looks like it's hard work, sometimes it is. But we believe it's going to be worth it because we're, we're looking to train up a next generation. We're looking for them to catch something of the heart of God and, and for them to dream big in God as well. And so we want them to be a part of it. So that's, that's just a little explanation why. I feel it's also just hearing this morning, I thought, shout out to the welcome team. And everyone here for welcome. Did you notice the different people who have joined us? It wasn't, it wasn't the quality of the coffee that was mentioned. It wasn't even the preaching. Um, you know, it wasn't that. It, it wasn't even the worship band. Even though we really try and do an excellent job and the guys did a great this morning. It was God and you guys, wasn't it? That was genuinely the, that was the testimony that they gave. It was, it was the welcome they had from the people of God, and it was about being with him. And that's just awesome. So thank you very much for being a welcoming church. Thank you very much for going out of your way to just spot someone when they're on their first time, just going to say hello, helping them to be at ease. The key question not to ask is, have you been before? Because then you find out they've been for 20 years. And I don't know, I've just made that mistake so many times. You don't have to do that. But just ask them. You know, how are you finding this morning? And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how you say it. You'll work it out. But it's great. And so thank you, welcome team. Heavenly Father, we just ask that this morning you would uh, continue to speak to us. Lord, we thank you, you're the God on the move. Holy Spirit, I just say, Lord, if you want us to stop and to press into any area, Lord, just lead us in that way. Lord, we want to meet with you. God, we, we thank you for being present, for your presence amongst us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> uh, my, most of my team didn't know, but we've swapped titles round um, a little bit. So next week, Sam Okar will be bringing the last in this preaching series, but I'm preaching this week, the last preach. Um, if you're confused, then that's how I feel as well. Um, because next week, I'm actually not going to be here. Um, my family and I will be in Guernsey at the Rock Church. I'll be preaching there. And they've asked whether actually we would be able to help them feel more connected to the new frontiers, to the new ground family. Which is funny because we have 
John Latoc, who's at that church, founded that church, come here, and that helps us feel more a part of new ground. But obviously for them, they've got John the whole time, so they've probably taken for granted or something. So we get to go out there and to preach and to see what God's doing out there, and I'm sure we'll come back with some testimonies and stuff. So that's why I've moved some things around. So this week, in our Freedom Encounter series, which is the series we've been in, we'll be looking at kind of almost the what next, getting ready to be sent out. What does God now want to do now that we've experienced a measure of healing or a measure of freedom? What does he want to do or was that it? Was, was just feeling good for a moment it? And I've, I've kind of retitled it uh, this morning from one of the inmates to one who liberates. From one of the inmates to one who liberates. So I feel like this is what God wants to do. This is part of the purpose. You see, what I'm hoping that we'll find out is that God always sets you free for a purpose. He wants to do something, now you're free. It's not just so that you'd go, great, I'm out of that situation. He's got a purpose for your life, a calling for your life. There's more. A couple of weeks ago, actually pretty near the start, we had a testimony um, from someone who shared about how they'd opened up about something that was causing shame deep in their life. And I think it had been there. I think they shared for about 40 years. They did it at the front of church. And they said that now it was like a bag of cement had been lifted off, which I thought was an awesome picture. And, and a very real picture of what it actually feels like if you've ever had the same experience where you're like, oh, it's been weighing me down for so long and now it's gone. So that was amazing to hear. And then about three to four weeks ago, we had a guy who gave his life to the Lord here in church for the very first time, which was just wonderful, where he declared Jesus Christ as Lord. And actually what he experienced was love and peace and joy and life for the very first time. This was what he said about his experience, love and life. And then just a couple of weeks ago, before the service, a, a lady qu- caught my arm and said um, that for the first time it felt like she had cast away worry in her life. And she said it had just transformed her week. She felt so different now that worry wasn't driving her. I just thought that was amazing. I was like, wow, yes, come on. This is what God's doing. So all of the testimonies, I know it will be replicated many times in our midst, but God is about a work. Last week we looked at forgiveness and I know that's some deep stuff, but I know God will have been, been moving in your life. Each of these people worship here. Each of these people are part of the body here at Jubilee. And they probably represent so many more of us. But I think we need to now ask, what next? So you've experienced a measure of freedom. God's done something in your life, lifted off the cement from your shoulders. What next? What for? Why? What will God do in your life now that he's set you free? Or if I can flip that round, what are you going to do now that, now that you've seen what God has done? What are you going to do now that you've seen what God has done? When I started to, I, I can hear, I don't know if anyone else can hear this. <laughs> I think that's probably my son. Uh, you know how parents are just tuned into their children's cry. If anyone else can't hear it, there's a baby crying somewhere. And um, I'll take that one. That's probably my son. Um, so the, the, the title, From One of the Inmates to One Who Liberates, it got me thinking this week, um, and there's an, an old film uh, from 1940, uh, 19, that'd be a really old film, from 1994, from a Stephen King novel, The Shawshank Redemption. Anyone watch that? It's a classic. 
Now, I feel like I can get away with sharing a bit about this film because it's not going to be a spoiler alert. It's nearly been out 30 years, right? So you, you, you can watch it from here. It's got my, it's got my seal of approval. It's a good one. But it, it follows kind of um, a prison situation where, where inmates put in prison lifers, generally, and there are three who make it out. And it got me thinking about the three who made it out. So you've got the different characters. So you've got Brooks, you've got Andy Dufresne, and you've got Red. Brooks... He's a lifer. In prison, he was actually one of, the, one of two educated men. So his role was the librarian. He was an old man, and he, was, he had a responsibility in prison. And once he's done his time, the judge then says, you're free to go. He's free. He gets to go out of prison. Surely this is what he's been waiting for all of his life. But anyone that's seen the movie, it's probably one of the saddest parts of it, isn't it? It's where Brooks is free but he wishes he was still institutionalised. He wishes he was still back inside. He does not know what to do with this freedom. He doesn't enjoy it. Inside, he had a purpose. He, he was somebody. Outside, he's kind of seen as nobody, and, and it's so sad because he takes his own life. He's, he's done. The judge pronounces, you're free to go, but he doesn't know what to do with it. He doesn't live in the good of it. You then got Andy Dufresne, and Andy Dufresne, He's this guy who's sentenced to, again, life in prison. He always protests his innocence, if you've seen it. He's, he's adamant, I didn't do what I was accused of doing. But for nearly 19 years, he starts digging his way out. So, spoiler alert. With a little rock hammer, digging his way out. And it's only at the end that you see the full picture of what he's done. And he's kind of, he's burrowed his way out of the whole prison over 19 years. That's dedication, right? And once he's free, he just runs for it. He goes, he's made a plan, he's got the money sorted, he's got where he's going to go sorted, and he just has to run, because he's, he's now broken free, he's, he's, he's got out illegally, right? So he then ends up making it to Mexico. The thing is, with Andy Dufresne, the, the film makes that, you're kind of on his side, it's the weird thing about films, isn't it? The person that is in for life, probably for killing his wife and her lover, you're then on the side of, you're like, go on, get out. <laughs> you know, go free. You deserve it. Um, it's really weird. Films do that to you. But, um, but unlike a film, once he's free and in Mexico, if the police catch up with him, he's got to run again. And if they catch up with him again, he's got to run again. Why? Because he shouldn't have broken free, because he burrowed his way out illegally. And so he's just got to keep on running. And you've seen from documentaries, someone that kind of takes their freedom early, they find it's not actually as sweet as they thought it was. So he's, he's, he's kind of free, but he's, he's never actually free because he's got to keep on going free. He's got to keep on making freedom happen for himself. Then you've got Red, and Red's played by Morgan Freeman. Everyone loves Red. He's kind of the prison fixer. He'll get you anything. He's a lovely guy. And at the end, the judge says to him, you've paid your time as well. You're free to go. And Red finds Andy Dufresne on the beach in Mexico. That's kind of how it ends, isn't it? Now, if the police turn up, Andy's got to run again. He's got to go, because otherwise he gets put in prison and for a longer sentence, because now he's also got escaping on his rap sheet. Whereas Red, he was free. If he gets caught up, I mean, he does actually break his parole a little bit, but we'll ignore that for a moment. But he's free. If the police catch up with him, he didn't break out illegally. The judge said, you've paid your time, you're now free to go. So the enjoyment he has on the Mexican beach and enjoying his freedom, he can go where he wants, when he wants, because he is now free. In John 8, it says, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. You see, one of the things 
that the enemy wants you to do is a little bit like Brooks, and it's so sad when you see it in Brooks's life, is even though you are free, pronounced by the highest judge anywhere in the universe, the judge says, I set you free, that the enemy would persuade you that you're not really free. And actually, sometimes you wish you were back in the old place doing what you were doing before. Andy Dufresne's situation is actually more like the unbeliever. You see, in the world, we're told freedom comes from loads of places. Do what you want, because that's how you show you're free. Buy what you want. Strive after what you want. You can make yourself whoever you want to be, because you're free. But unfortunately, when you get everything, maybe all the material possessions you ever wanted, you find it's not what you thought it was going to be. So you have to keep on striving. You have to keep on making your own freedom. And this is what Andy has to do. Yeah, he's kind of on the beach. If the police catch up to him, though, he's got to run again. And it's the same if, if you're not free in Christ, you're not truly free because the highest judge over everything hasn't pronounced you free. And if he hasn't said you're free, you've just got to keep making your freedom for yourself and it's tiring. But the Father has set you free. In Jesus Christ, if you put your trust in him, you are free. And just like red, when you're on the beach, if, if someone else gets caught up, you can say, no, 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 you can ask the judge. My time was done, not by myself, but by Jesus Christ. Maybe Satan catches up with you every now and again and starts to whisper to you, are you really free? But you still fall in these different areas. We know you've still got these, <clears throat> these strongholds. We know that there's still certain areas you're going to trip up in. You're not really free. You can say, the judge says I'm free. And if the judge says I'm free, then I'm free. Because if the sun sets you free, then you're free indeed. So this morning, I want us to look a little bit like at if you've been set free in a measure of freedom, what is it like to live your life free? How do you maintain it? How do you live in the good of it? We're going to look at two primary scriptures. Um, the first one is where Jesus teaches on it, tells us a little bit what freedom is really like so that we, we've got a kind of framework for it. And the second one is where we get an example from Paul and Silas and how they enjoy their freedom, what freedom looks like. They kind of do the practical, Jesus does the teaching. So John 15, verse 16. Thanks. Jesus is speaking here. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. He set you free. You are chosen. When God sets you free, it's for a purpose. You go from being one of the inmates to one who liberates. So a little bit of context to what Jesus is teaching on. He's just been teaching on abiding with him. You know those verses? Uh, he's kind of mixing up different pictures to help us to understand the love of God. That's what Jesus is, do, is doing. He's telling us that the Father loves us. And if we abide in him, we enjoy that love. And to help us to understand that, he gives this illustration of a vine. And he says a vine has, the, all of the branches are connected to the vine. If all the branches were to break away, they would no longer be connected and would no longer have life. It's because they remain connected that they have a life. And so he says, abide in me. And that's how you'll know the love of God if you abide in him. That's the background. 
And Jesus is saying to be fruitful in life, which is one of the things that he calls us to, if we've been set free, to be fruitful. He's got a plan for your life that you would be fruitful. Do you know that? Fruitful. Enjoying him. And if he's done that, you're meant to stay connected with God. That's the key to being fruitful. That's what Jesus is saying. If you're trying to do life on your own, in your own way, separate to how God wants you to do life, you're going to find there's a disconnect because you're no longer connected to the vine, which gives the life, meaning you produce fruit. And actually, as a believer, it's very simple. You don't have to do an awful lot. Just stay connected to the vine. Just remain in him, abide in him. If you've been fooled by legalism, which is working hard to earn the grace of God, working hard to earn the favour of God, then that's poison because it twists what God has given free and says, you've got to earn it. And actually, you've just got to abide in him. You've just got to abide in him. Just, that's your only job, just stay in him. So he's been teaching on the vine, teaching on love. And then he gives us these three encouragements, these three insights into what it is to live free. The first one is to understand you're chosen. Number one, he wants you to understand you're chosen. So he says this, he chose you, you did not choose him. It's true that in the mystery of the gospel, he requires a faith response from you that you would say, yes, and I choose you. But if God did not lay the opportunity for you to choose him, you would have no opportunity because he's God. So if he didn't give you the option to choose him, there'd be no choosing him because he wouldn't give you the option. So it starts by him choosing you. And Jesus wants, us to, make, wants, that, wants to make that really clear. I think Jesus is specifically addressing the human tendency towards pridefulness, where we just want to kind of add our little bit. You know, yes, he chose me, but probably because of who I am, you know, probably because of what I can do. If you think about the playground, I'll just give a little illustration. A playground at school, primary schools in the UK, you'll have two teams. It'll either be set up by teachers or just in the, in the melee of a playground. It'll be like, let's, let's play five side, two teams. Okay, we need two captains. Alice and Dave, you'll be captains. Now, perhaps we wouldn't count ourselves as a captain. I mean, if you're a captain, you're in a privileged place, but on God's team, we guess he gets to be captain, right? Okay, so we'll give that to you, God. But everyone else on the team, and if you've ever been in this situation, it's a moment of fear for most of us. What if I'm last, right? It's like, what if I don't get picked? Okay, and Dan, oh, never mind. You know, and off they go and play. That's, that's the fearful moment. But you want to be picked early on because of your skills, what you add to the team, maybe your charisma, you know, the, the, the way you play football or, or, just, or just the popularity you hold at school. You're going to be picked early on. But God's challenging that and he's just saying, I chose you. I chose you. Not because you were impressive. Not because you actually had anything to offer to the kingdom. You came to the kingdom as you are with all your mess and the rest came from him. This is the grace of God. The God who created everything, the creator of everything, he's got creativity sorted. He didn't need yours. The one who holds all things together right now by the power of his word, he's got all the power. He's good. He's good for power. His beauty and splendor is displayed in everything he's ever created. And that gives us a small snapshot in his majesty. So your good looks, he's good for looks. You know, he's sorted. 
You weren't chosen for your looks, for the power, for what you added. You were chosen because of his mercy and because he wants you. You don't have to perform in the kingdom. So your only job is to remain in him. That's it. Abide. Remain connected to him. He's got the rest sorted. All the creativity you need in your life, you go back to the vine, you say, Lord, I'm struggling here. He's got the creativity. You need power in your life. You go back to the vine. He's got all the power you'll ever need. God, help me in this situation. You need good looks. You go back to the vine. No, you get the point, don't you? It's not things you can accomplish on your own, but you were chosen because he wanted to, because he had mercy, because he loves you, not because of what you will add. Do you hear that? You were chosen. Secondly, in the verse that we just read, John 15 We see that he appoints us to go. We're appointed to go. It's really important. If you want to understand how you're to enjoy your newfound freedom in Christ, then understand this, you're appointed to go. How many times does Jesus say, as you go, heal the sick? You know, it's just like, as the assumption is from Jesus, you're going, you know? And in the Great Commission, if he hadn't said it plainly enough, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, You're appointed to go. It infers that there's a divine hand ordaining you to do the work God has prepared for you. You're not just sent out on your own without the support and the backup. No, he's always with you. He's always for you. Remain connected to the vine, remember. But he has ordained things for you. When the prime minister is appointed, they're tasked to perform certain roles. And we would all see that and say they're called to that. They're, they're appointed. They've been given the authority to do what they're, they're now doing. Those appointed in the kingdom are given the authority and the tools to accomplish that for which he has sent you to do. You're appointed to go. Just think about a child for a moment. Remaining in the favour abiding in the favour, let's just use that illustration, of their parents. The parents have said, I want you to go and clean your room, right? That's the command. Go and clean your room. A few hours later, if the parent comes in and they're lounging on the sofa, watching TV, still eating the snacks, what's happened? You haven't done what I asked you to do. But Father, don't you love me for who I am? Isn't it just me? Like, You've just got to accept me for who I am. This is who I am, Father. Don't you love me? Do I, have to, do I have to achieve things for your love? No, but to remain in the favor of the Father, do what he says. Go clean your room. Grace. No. Um, in fact, if a child were to just found, be found lounging on the sofa and, and making up all these excuses as to why they haven't cleaned the room and, and kind of almost challenging the parents' love for them, saying, you should love me anyway, whatever I achieve. I don't have to do anything for your love. You should love me. We would say the child, they're becoming impetulant. We'd say that they're becoming argumentative. They're in danger of actually, it's, man, it's looking ugly when we see it in a child doing that. I think... With all the love that I can muster, some of us need to hear, get off the sofa and go. God's got stuff for you. He didn't set you free so that you would stay seated where you are. He set you free for a purpose. He appoints you to go. 
We need to make sure we're on mission with God. Do you realize that any freedom God granted you was for the purpose of going? That's why he freed you. He set you free so that you could go. He wants you to go from being one of the inmates to being one who liberates. And if you're going to do that, you need to go. So that was one of the things that we can be walking in the good of. We can make sure we're going into all the different ways that he's called us. Number three, appointed to be fruitful. God wants your life to be fruitful. He wants you to have life, life in abundance, life to the full. He wants you to be fruitful in kingdom work. And God's committed to make your life fruitful. So we need to understand a little bit of what kingdom fruit is. Because, spoiler alert, it looks a little bit different to how we might judge a worldly fruitfulness to be. So in Matthew 28, when Jesus commissions, sends out his disciples, he says, Go, therefore, again, go, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Kingdom fruit, the kind of fruitfulness that God's interested in, whether in your character, the hidden things, in your actions, in your thoughts, in your desires, in your deeds, has to do with discipleship, following Jesus. That's what it has to do with. It's what it looks like. It looks like going and following Jesus. Whatever it looks like, it will look like different for all, every single one of us. We're not all called to the same thing. God's given you specific gifts and he's called you to different aspects. He's given you different families and friendship groups place you in different schools and colleges and workplaces. And he says, go into all the world. Kingdom fruit, whether in your character, actions, thoughts or deeds, has to do with discipleship, which is following Jesus. And it also, importantly, has to do with discipling others. Part of it is is both receiving, being discipled, but also discipling others. So it's interesting from all of this, we could see that God would look at the life with every single material possession you could ever want, so successful in the world's eyes, every single worldly measure of success under their belt, and yet without the fruit of following Jesus and making disciples, he would call that life unfruitful in the kingdom. I think sometimes we just have to hear it as plain as that, right? Because we still, are, we still have a tendency towards wanting to be worldly successful as well as kingdom successful. But God wants your eyes to be on the fruit that comes from the kingdom. So question, how are you at following Jesus as a disciple? And how are you doing at discipling others? <clears throat> These are the things that God cares about in your fruitfulness. You don't have to impress him with how much stuff you have. He doesn't mind about that. The person here with the least can be the most fruitful in the kingdom. And I just think that's the best news ever. So he has a plan for you that you would go from being one of the inmates to being one who liberates. So a real world example. We're just going to go through these verses to finish. They're in Acts 16. If you've got your Bible, you want to jot that down. Paul and Silas have been placed into prison. They're literally in prison, a little bit like our friend Andy Dufresne. And um, God's got a plan for them, though. 
He's going to do some stuff, and I want us to see how freedom, how they use their freedom, or what God has in store. So that's, that's kind of what we're looking to spot here. Surely being thrown in, pre- thrown in prison is not great for their freedom in Christ. Surely that's, you know, that just goes without saying. Surely it's not a great place to enjoy their freedom in Christ. Well, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You notice in every circumstance, in every season of their life, they're devoted to honouring God, to praying, to worshipping him. Maybe it feels like you're in a prison season. It's like, I don't know a way out. Still decide to pray to worship him and to honour God. It looks, as you read it, if it wasn't for the prison bit, it looks like the average small group night, doesn't it? Like they're praying, they're with each other, they're singing hymns, there's others looking in, there's other people, but they're in prison. Verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. So God breaks in. This is the moment God intervenes. God breaks in to whilst they're being held captive. Just like the testimonies we've heard over the last eight weeks of this Freedom Encounter series, God breaks in. Just like this morning, maybe you get a sense, I think God wants to break in. He wants to break in. God is a God who wants to break in. Maybe you're in captive for Christ in a jail. Maybe you're captive in thought. Maybe you're captive in addiction. God has a plan to set you free because he loves to set the captives free. So let's have a little look to see what Paul and Silas do with their newfound freedom. They've just been set free from prison. What do they do? How do they enjoy it? How do they stay free? Do they leg it? Keep to the shadows. Head for Mexico. You know, is that what their plan is? Verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, and he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Where did they go? We're supposed to go, Dan. Well, it's it's not always geographic. They didn't go anywhere physically, but they went where Christ would have been spiritually. You see, the human nature would have gone, leg it. The prison doors are open. See how much space you can put put between you and the prison, right? But they remained. Why? Because they're moving from being one of the inmates to being one who liberates. Do you notice? They were one of the inmates. They were honoring God, but they're still one of the inmates. God sets them free. Not only are they now free, but they liberate their captor, the one who was holding them, the jailer. They set him free as well. They didn't go anywhere, but they were looking to see what God was doing. I think this is key. Some of us, like Ian and Claire, are going to be going somewhere. 
And this is obviously a part of going to all nations. There needs to be a very real up and moving of many of us going to the nations. Some of us just need to hear the call again. Go back into your workplace. Go back into that place. Bring the life of God. Go back at school. Bring the life of God. Go from being one of the inmates to being one who liberates in the places that you've already been sent. And then finally, verse 40. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. One of the things that free believers in Jesus do is they go to other free believers in Jesus. They, they don't get out and go, time for a spa day. You know, that was, that was intense. They go to be with Lydia, which is where they know there'll be other... Lydia had a big house in those days. She would have held church in her, in her courtyard. So they go to her because they want to see their brothers and sisters in Christ. They want to be with them, encourage them, tell them of what God's done. So it may seem basic, but freedom is always for a purpose. And if you've been set free, just go. Go in freedom. Walk free. Be with brothers and sisters. Don't miss that part. You know, it's so important. I think one of the things COVID did was it robbed us of that time together. I don't want to keep going back to that, but you remember. And it was like, it was, it was genuinely robbing us of that. I think for some of us, we, we kind of suckered the lie that we don't need it so much anymore. But you notice what Paul and Silas do. It wasn't like we've been in prison for so long. It's time to, for a bit of us time. Go up on the mountains. Bit of you and me time. Let's go to the Mount of Olives. That's a nice place with a good view. No, they're like, let's go and be with the believers. Let's go and encourage one another. Let's go and share, break bread. Let's go and be with each other. Let's not forget that. If God's brought you a measure of freedom... How can you bring that to others, to other believers? Like a homing pigeon or a heat-seeking missile, Paul and Silas, they head back to the believers. They're like, we've got to be, spend time with them. We'll be sent out again. We've got to go spend time with them. I don't know if this ever really occurs to some of us. Are you like, Lord, please help me with this and please set me free from this. And then when you get the freedom, you get the extra time. Oh, thank you, Lord. And it's like, so how do I want to fill this now? And it's like, no, when God sets you free, he sets you free for a purpose in him. So when you find freedom, seek him. How do you want me to use this now, Lord? How do they remain free? And remember, they're chosen. They don't lose sight of that. Sons and daughters of God, children of God. They go where God makes a way. They go, they're ready on the front foot to go and take the message. They go from being those inmates to being ones who liberate and they produce kingdom fruit in their lives. Yes, Lord, I pray. Pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, you would help us to make this switch in our hearts, in our lives from one of the inmates held captive in certain areas to when we, when we are set free by God to moving to be one who liberates, to one who sets the captives free, to one who can now talk about the grace and mercy of God from the outside. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would lay this on our hearts. This is what you say. You say, go. You've appointed us to go. We're chosen. You chose us. We didn't choose you. You appointed us to go. You appointed us to be fruitful, the kind of fruit that is in the kingdom, though. So, Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd encourage us to be fruitful.
we sing a song. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Lord, help us to keep that day in our minds on this day. Lord, I pray, set the captives free. Let us free to go and do what you've called us to do and to be fruitful in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Again, if you're online or in the room, it's been, it's been good to be with each other. I hope that you've just sort of caught something of what God has for you in your life. You're called. He's got good plans for you, have no doubt. It's a great moment to go and get your kids. If you've got kids, let's free up our serving teams and uh, grab a coffee. Say hi to someone that's just become a member or those that are just going to be members elsewhere and uh, have a great week. Bless you. Hey, my name's Dan Baptist and I'm lead pastor here at Jubilee Community Church. We really hope that something from this morning's word has blessed you and reached you. And if you'd like to talk about anything you've heard or just be able to talk about maybe faith or get some prayer, then please get in contact. You can email us, give us a call at the centre and one of the team's going to get back to you. We'd love to do this, especially if you're just thinking about what it is to become a Christian. You want to sit down and really talk that through with anyone. We also run regularly on a Sunday some joining the church courses. And if you want to know more about Jubilee Community Church and what it is to belong here, then you can just uh, find out online when the next one of those is going on and you can attend, have a meal, sit down, talk about it. We also have some amazing midweek group life uh, where it's a great opportunity to dig further into your faith. Again, you can find out that on our website too. Anyway, just wanted to say hi and uh, bless you and we'll catch up soon.